0: Sense, where would yeah. you
1: do you know where to get it what organizations in melbourne do that
0: well actually i think one of the the major labs is actually within melbourne yeah okay um really yep oh. yep so um you know and you can get the oral tablets yeah okay but once again some people saying that the oral tablets might work better because obviously you're taking it orally and then it hits the gut lining, hmm. okay? If um,
1: it doesn't get broken down by stomach acid. yeah,
0: That's the thing, yeah, okay? So it, it's not 100% known which one may be more effective, okay? I would say more so research says that injectable is a little bit more effective at the moment, but once again, who knows, hmm. yeah, Okay. So there are additional things, you know, you look at uh, people like Ben Greenfield is a big advocate yeah. of BPC 157. So, you know, and there's, there's more research coming out to show the, the benefits. But I would still, you, you understand, you need to mitigate the inflammatory load. You need to realign the microbiome. You, you can't, like, the problem is because people went through this phase of even things like fecal transplants, where it's a little bit like putting fertilizer over the top of the grass where you want to get fertilizer in the soil. It's a little bit like that with the BPC as well. Like we want to mitigate the, the the microbiome imbalances. We want to mitigate the bacterial byproducts that are causing more damage to the gut lining. Once we do that, we can use the the BPC yeah. like get the get the actual uh, uh, you know the the amino acids and the and the the nutrients that w- that we need to get into the soil. Does that make sense? Get them into the cell to help to repair, like seal and heal the cell. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So. Um, I'm definitely not anti those types of things but once again, people need to understand when is the right time, when is the right time to use those things and there, there's, there's particular things that you can do and then utilizing it where it's going to be more effective rather than just using it and you've got all these other complications that ultimately need to be fixed. Right. It's, like, know,
1: okay? it's like trying to put a Band-Aid on like a giant wound.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's why the, you know, the fecal transplants were so hit and miss, Yeah. okay? Because if you just had microbiome imbalances, so you just didn't have enough good bacteria, then of course it's going to work, okay? But what happens if you've got an overgrowth of negative gram bacteria or opportunistic bacteria? Well, you know, it's it's not going to fix that problem. So that problem still going to exist. So you might've felt you know uh good for about a week or two weeks but then all of a sudden you feel like death again mm. yeah, okay because ultimately you haven't got rid of the uh the problem that needs to get rid of and ultimately you haven't also healed the gut lining that's the reason you've probably got the microbiome not probably that's the reason you've got the microbiome imbalances in the first place anyway does that make sense yeah okay <laughs> So, you know, if people think that BPC one five seven, just taking that is gonna is is gonna solve all your problems. I mean it's yeah. gonna help. It's right? gonna help, yeah, okay. I mean, but once again, it's just like it it's there's my whole thing is there's not a monotherapist. Yes. Yeah, okay. Explain what you mean by that. Well, well the the whole thing I had
1: to look that word up the first time you said <laughs> it. What the fuck do
0: you mean? Yeah, because a lot of the time like what we're trying to do is Like we might have a hormonal imbalance, yeah, okay. And if we got a hormonal imbalance, we might um, use HRT, hormone replacement therapy, okay. Um, You know, even if I potentially use the examples of like Eastern dominant, uh, Eastern dominance. Issues and that might be things like endometriosis, you know, um, complications with like polycystic ovaries. Yeah, okay. Well, let's use endometriosis as an example, okay, which is definitely a, a women's health complication coming about from estrogen dominance. Yeah, okay. Well, what we what we're essentially always trying to do is 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 deal with the hormonal issue. Yeah, okay. Now, yes, it's a hormonal issue, but let's understand why yeah. did that hormonal issue actually eventuate yeah, okay? and actually you look at something like endometriosis Okay, what actually you can link it to problems with what's a group of bacteria called the estrobolum the estrobolum is made up of 60 different types of bacteria yeah, Okay, and the role of the estrobolum which is made up of enteric bacteria and it's made up of bacteria like Escherichia coli, it can actually be made up of pathogenic strains of bacteria like Shigella which is a negative gram bacteria and basically the these uh, the bacteria actually produce um, beta glucuronidase, which is an enzyme. And the role of the beta glucuronidase is to basically separate bound estrogen. Okay, so it separates the estrogen so it's unbound, so you've got, and then recirculate the estrogen through the bloodstream so you've got more estrogen. Yeah, okay, so if I've got an overgrowth of this particular type of bacteria, so I've got an overgrowth of Escherichia coli, which I would see in the instance of SIBO. Small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, okay? Um, then you're producing higher amounts of beta glucuronidase, which means basically you're, you're unbinding the estrogen so you have more active estrogen in your bloodstream. Okay, now if I've got more ac- active estrogen in my bloodstream, well, yes, the estrogen will play on the estrogen receptors on your adipo- adipocytes or your adipose cells. Okay, but also I'm just going to have more estrogen circulating around the bloodstream. Okay, if I've got more estrogen circulate- circulating around the bloodstream, well, estrogen causes tissue growth. Mm. Okay, now what would be an example of tissue growth? Because like with endometriosis, you can have that tissue growth on the the, uh, so on the, the out, outer side of the uterus, but you can have it on the inner side of the uterus. But you also can have that tissue growth in the intestine, in the gastrointestinal lining as well. Okay. So my point being is that, that's yes, the 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 issue is the estrogen dominance. But my point of being bringing up the SIBO and the beta glucuronides and the estrobolum scenarios, what actually caused yes. the estrogen? That's always domin- the question. Yeah. What caused the problem? And so actually was the complications with the small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and the higher concentration of you know particular bacteria maybe like shigella or escherichia coli causing higher release of beta glucuronidase that was basically causing high amounts of active to be circulated around your bloodstream so so to correct the hormonal issue what do i have to correct the bacterial issue. I have to correct the SIBO. I have to correct what's going on in the gut lining. Me just going like like we're going to try and treat this through some sort of like, you know, estrogen clearers or like is if I haven't actually corrected the problem where this starts from, using estrogen clearers is that going to correct the SIBO and the gastrointestinal lining issue? No. Okay, just like there's a good chance you taking hormone replace replacement therapy, okay, is not going to correct your hormonal issues. For for a moment in time, it's going to make you feel better because yeah. there is a hormonal issue. But you're going to have to address the issues that cause the hormonal imbalance.
1: Which for you and for, for, for health, always seems to come down to the gut. I know you say you're not like, I know you say you're like, oh, not everything's about the gut. Well, guess what? Everything seems to be about the gut.
0: <laughs> well, if, if you look at neurotransmitters and you look at hormones, like one of the biggest modulators of Eastern, Let's once again, let's use that as an example, is your gut lining, is your microbiome. Yep. Okay. i just use one example of that, lactobacillus. Okay. It's a carrier for estrogen, so it helps to recirculate it through the bloodstream. So it's a modulator, it's a regulator. Okay. What happens if I've got low levels of lactobacillus? It's going to be a problem for estrogen. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. You know, uh, other hormones like progesterone really depend on your microbiome balance. Yeah, okay. Now, my ability to assimilate the singular molecules that are the building blocks for things like neurotransmitters and hormones okay, comes from your microbiome. So like if I give you an example, okay? So um Lactobacillus, okay? If it's a mo- if it actually helps with estrogen, or estrogen helps with the metabolization of L-tryptophan. L-tryptophan serotonin. is a, a yeah. So L-tryptophan melatonin. gets converted into 5-hydroxy L-tryptophan, gets converted to serotonin, gets converted to melatonin. Yeah. Okay. So but where does it all start from? It started from the Lactobacillus. Fucking gut. Yeah, okay. God damn it. Yeah, okay. And so if I don't have you know, the right microbiome to allow me to assimilate and actually help with things like L-tryptophan, okay? Well, L-tryptophan can get converted into other compounds, okay? So instead of getting converted into the 5-hydroxy L-tryptophan, it can get converted into indole, and indole is a byproduct from, um, it's a chemical byproduct from uh, microbiome um, uh, fermentation, okay? And so basically, indole in high amounts because once again, if you don't have the right type of microbiome, okay, to help with that protein fermentation, okay, then basically you end up converting more into the indole. Indole causes insulin resistance. Hmm. Another example of that would be, um, you know, uh, tyrosine. So if I don't have the, the right microbiome to help me with the assim- assimilation of tyrosine, and obviously the tyrosine, tyrosine should be ge- ge- getting converted into L DOPA dopamine and then help with things like norepinephrine like your catecholamines and epinephrine okay then you end up converting the tyrosine into a thing another chemical compound called p cresol p cresol causes insulin resistance so if you don't actually have the right microbiome ratio then it can cause you to interact with um you know food molecules and protein molecules in a completely different way And you can end up converting them more into other chemical compounds that can have a negative impact on the body. And what you can draw conclusions on is you can start blaming food Mm -hmm. food for, once again, like the insulin resistance, where really the problem was the the microbiome imbalances. Mm. And we see that in things like, you know, if you've got an overgrowth of Enterobacter, which is a negative gram bacteria, well... The enterobacter can cause you to convert like vitamin B4, which is choline. You end up converting the vitamin, the the B4, the choline, instead of converting into something like acetylcholine, which helps with short-term to long-term memory. Okay, it helps with the the vagus nerve. It's you know it's the the major compound that helps with the vagus nerve. So parasympathetic nervous system. Okay, Um, helps with muscle contraction. It's also excitatory neurotransmitter in the brain but it's inhibitory in the cardiovascular system so it lowers blood pressure lowers resting heart rate yeah okay so instead of converting into that you end up converting the choline into tmao which is trimethylamine n-oxide okay and that's that's basically atherosclerosis in in small amounts the tmao is not a problem actually has benefits to um blood pressure and so forth but in high amounts yeah okay it basically causes atherosclerosis, which is like plucking, so cardiovascular disease, okay? And so you know, where can you get high amounts of choline? You can get it from uh, you know, seafood and you know, eggs, so duck eggs and chicken eggs. So you can make the conclusion if you did some sort of research, okay, that chicken eggs and duck eggs and seafood cause plucking, cause atherosclerosis. But my argument would be, did they cause it? Or did the interior actually cause the the plucking?
1: But most research studies aren't controlling for well. That's the problem. And so, and so,
0: one one of my big issues that I have with research, especially when it comes to nutrition, okay, is if you're not testing what's going on in that individual's gut lining, and you're not testing their microbiome, then you, you haven't created the right platform for research.
1: Then most of the new research <laughs> in nutrition well, that's where a lot of the, that,
0: and that's where a lot of the flaws in research are
1: it's so tough it's so tough to do nutrition research really well
0: yeah it is it is one because we you know that's going to take a lot of time and effort money but you understand to really understand how people are interacting with things yeah you you, you have to you have to test the area that enables us to interact with the food properly that is your microbiome is your gut line like unless someone knows something that i that that I don't, which is that the gut lining doesn't interact with your food, okay? Then, yeah, I'm open. I'm, yeah. I'm open to try and understand, but it's factual that it does, okay? Yeah. And so, if that is broken, do you think this could negatively affect how we convert things For into sure. particular compounds? And could it negatively affect how we convert things where we're converting it into more compounds that have a detrimental uh, effect on our health? Of course okay we like and that's why like i I think you know with research alex okay it's a little bit like watching a dog chase its tail
1: and what what do you you mean by that
0: well it's just the dog just goes around in circles yeah okay because you understand as entertaining as that is yeah okay it's because we don't create the right platforms to really understand how people are interacting with food okay and that's why people can you know notice that people might getting more things like atherosclerosis and plaquing from higher consumption of eggs and and seafood but once again the microbiome has completely changed the platform mm. okay so what happens if we we you know half that group had an overgrowth of enterobacter well now that just makes that research completely irrelevant from the yeah. gut perspective yeah <laughs> does that make sense yeah i'm just saying when i'm just saying when it comes to nutrition yeah okay like you you know all the things that i talked about with you know carnivore and you know vegan yeah okay now what happens if we haven't tested you know people with like hydrochloric acid issues and so forth like once again it's just completely changing how they're interacting with food
1: the problem is there's endless there's endless things to test for right Mm. but you're saying let's do the gut at least let's do the gut
0: let's do the gut line let's do the microbiome like create a better platform for to understand sure. how people are interacting with food absolutely yeah like it's just as I said the, the gut lining is definitely forcing us into these extreme nutrition regimes yeah, yeah okay for like sure. for me there's no doubt about it yeah okay all I'm saying is let's create a better platform okay so one and when we do research let's test what's going on there but also let's just fix it Let's just fix. Let's let's fix this connective tissue. Let's fix this smooth muscle. Let's create a better platform. Once we create a better platform, okay, then we really know um, how people interact with food. We know what's going to work better for them. Okay, we're going to help. We're going to have a cascade effect on neurotransmitter balance. We're going to have a cascade effect on hormonal balance then there may actually be things like, and I don't dispute this, there may actually be genetic mutations and so forth that are creating other problems. But at least let's fix the area that's having the biggest cascade effect on the body. The analogy I always bring up with people is the waterfall analogy. Okay, And the waterfall analogy is if I had a waterfall and that waterfall wasn't flowing properly, and I said, Alex, I want you to find out why this waterfall is not flowing properly, what part of the waterfall would you go to? you go to the motherfucking top. <laughs> Everyone is going to go to the top. Yeah. I'm telling you. But yeah, we don't okay? do that with the human body. Yeah, and the top is food. And so if we, if we want to really, you know, shorten the debate on food, yeah, okay? The problem with food is the quality of food. That's where the real problem lies, rather
1: than yeah. what you eat. More about the qualities, what you're it's saying. It's the
0: quality that we've interfered with. It, that that is genetically modified. We changed the structure. It's been exposed to herbicides and pesticides. You expose fruit to, you know, insecticides and pesticides. Well, a lot of the phytonutrients, so things like anthocyanins, which, you know, are immunostimulants, you know, which you find in purple coloured fruits. Yeah, okay. Like these phytonutrients, they're part of the, the, the fruit's immune system. So as soon as you spray it with insecticide and pesticide, what does the fruit not need to produce? The phytonutrients. okay? And so just because something's meant to have those phytonutrients doesn't mean it does.
1: Wait, so you're saying that uh, spraying pesticides, herbicides, fungicides on fruit and vegetables down-regulates the phytonutrient content in it?
0: Yeah, because they're they're, they're part of the, the, the fruit and the plant's immune system. So it doesn't need to produce as many of the phytonutrients to try and fight off the... the 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 bugs and the insects and so forth yeah okay Okay. so you can be eating something you go it's really really high in anthocyanins or you know like like carotenoids or whatever that might be okay but the 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 process that it's going through negatively affects its nutrient density does that make sense practically
1: speaking this means well this is the case for Organic or locally sourced farming. Exactly. So fruit.
0: when people go like, well, meat is the devil. Yeah. Okay. And I just go, well, poor quality meat is bad. Like factory is that, farming? Yeah. Yeah. That should Let's, exist. I don't want to, I don't even want to have like a podcast or a debate about it because I'm not going to dispute the person. Yeah. Okay. When they're going like, you know, yeah, factory farming and all that, the, you know, and, and cattle that's consume, you know, grain that has glyphosate. For sure. yeah, okay. Then, then, of course, it, and, you know, it's got, herbicides and pesticides and obviously the the animal is storing the you know the, the toxins in their fat cells of course that fat is going to be bad for you Like I'm, i don't want to even get into a debate about that because i'm not going to debate you mm. okay because i'm going to say yes mm-hmm. okay but why do we think there's no issues like this with fruits and it's vegetables of course there's yeah. issues with fruits and vegetables like this okay they're a problem it's poor quality fruits and vegetables could they cause serious health complications? There's no doubt about it, yeah, okay? Um, you know, poor quality dairy. The fact of the matter is, some people do exceptionally well on dairy. Yeah, okay. There's an ancestral aspect there, okay. You know, especially things like sheep's products and goats' products where the enzymes are recognized a little bit better, yeah, okay. Lower um, lactose. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's, it's got lo- uh, lower lactose, but you also get a lot of things like proline peptides, immunoglobulins, really high in selenium, yep. yeah, okay. Um, you know, a lot of people think, well, you know, um, Brazil nuts are really high in selenium. I go, yeah, they're meant to be, but actually, more animal proteins are probably higher in selenium, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. I'm not disputing that Brazil nuts should be high in selenium, but let's just talk about reality. We're talking about that's a perfect scenario based on the soil being rich in selenium. The soil's not rich in selenium. Guess what? The Brazil nuts are not high in selenium. Yeah, okay? So a lot of these goats and sheep's products is really high in... um, selenium omega-3 fatty acids zinc yeah okay um you get things like glucose lingolipids, lipids which actually help with gastrointestinal infections uh, flies in the face of what they say about dairy okay you know you look at things like uh like butter is you know it's negligent the amount of lactose in there okay it's got walls in factor it drives calcium into your bones like so i don't even know why people think you know dairy is essentially bad for you Poor quality dairy is bad for you. Like, okay, you know, let's okay? clarify what that is. And so like pasteurized is. dairy, yes, yeah, yes, okay? Yeah. Because pasteurized dairy, you know, let's just talk about complications like SIBO, yeah, okay? Well, pasteurized dairy does not contain lactase. Yep. Okay? Now, just let's understand like, you know, raw milk, raw cream, yeah, okay? Th- this contains lactase, which means it doesn't sit and ferment in your gut. Okay, and if it sits there and ferments, we're talking about glucose molecules here. Okay, if it sits there and ferments in your gut, it's going to encourage what? Bacterial overgrowth. Sibo. Yeah, okay, so, so the, the real the, the real debate that we should start to actually um, have is how do we clean up yeah. food? Even when it comes to like wheat, let's start. Let's like I don't the gluten issue. I don't have a huge issue with. Yeah, okay. If it's actually coming from better sources, and it's a healthy gut, and it's coming from a better source, like a sourdough and rye, like like a sourdough, which is really good quality sourdough, is really high high in lactobacillus. Yeah, okay, you know, and 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 triticum durum wheat, where the the gliding concentration is very low. Yeah, okay, you know, um, going through the proper fermentation process. Yeah, okay. So that's the debate that we should should be having is like, how do we clean up food? Not pick one food group and say that is the culprit for all our hardship. Like that is ludicrous. Yeah, okay? Um, because it's all the industries that are a problem. Mm-hmm. Let's clean them all up. Let's clean up food first. Mm-hmm. And while we're doing that, let's clean what's going, up, going on in the gut. Yep. Because without cleaning up what's going on in the gut, you're you're not going to interact with the food that you're putting in your body well. And we go back to that waterfall analogy, okay? The top of the waterfall is the quality of your food that you're putting in your body. That's, That's why I wanted to go into that realms of the quality of the food that you're putting in your body, okay? Then the middle of the waterfall, so this is the flow, yeah, okay? That is assimilation. That's your ability to take that food and break it down into the singular molecules and so these things get synthesized in the liver and gives you building blocks for other compounds and other functions in the human body okay so which area in the body is the filing cabinet cabinet and which area of the body has to take these molecules and break them down into the singular molecules that we use for building blocks that's the gastrointestinal lining that's the gut okay the whitewash at the bottom is the byproducts That's protein molecules, that's things like cytokines, so like like pro-inflammatory proteins, anti-inflammatory molecules, like interleukins, whatever that might be, glutathione, okay? Neurotransmitters, hormones, they're the byproducts, okay? So... The, the, the two major areas that I focus on first with people is the quality of the food that they're putting in their body and the area that has to assimilate that and break it down into the molecules that we need for the building blocks. And the area that we tend to be focusing on at the moment is the whitewash, is the byproducts, is like a particular pathway or a particular neurotransmitter. Take it SSRI, you know, uh, serotonin, up regulator, yeah, okay. Um, but you understand, yes, in the moment and time where that issue lies within the brain, yes, it can help in that moment and time. But what caused, mm. what caused that issue? Because you're looking at the end consequence. That's so. That's what you're looking. If if we're analysing why the waterfall doesn't flow properly, you're going to the end consequence of where the water meets the meets the the ground meets the bottom of the waterfall and you think you're going to find the answers in that which is madness okay (laughs) like you got to go to the top Mm. you got to fix what's going on in the top like like so all you end up doing here is you go well i think if i um put a rock there and and help with this okay and then something goes wrong over here oh yeah let's try and Fix this, or you know, and then something goes wrong over here, yeah, okay, because you haven't addressed the two biggest problems that create the biggest cascade effect in the body.
1: That's it, super well said, Dave. I want to be respectful of your time. I've got, are you still good to keep going?
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> how, how long are we here? <laughs> long time,
1: many hours, but no, there's two last things I wanted to finish yeah. off with you. Yeah, um, one thing was. Uh, One thing I think has dramatically changed my ability to digest and assimilate that I think most people and our culture and society has been conditioned to do without ever questioning it, as it does, drinking water with meals. Can you... Once I change this, just so people know, this game changer, right? Yeah. Can you explain the detriments of why we shouldn't drink water with meals?
0: Yeah, because it's it's an interesting one. Yeah, okay, because you look up Dr. Google, yeah, okay, which most people would do, yeah, okay, and they would say there's no detrimental harm from drinking fluids um, with your meals. That that would be one of the most conclusive things that would come up, okay? A lot of science is based on perfect scenario, okay? And so what I mean by this, okay, I'll give you another example, okay? Well, your body essentially should be able to produce its own short-chain fatty acids, correct? Okay, and how it does that is by, the vegetable fibers and the carbohydrate molecules and basically the indigestible matter feeds the good bacteria and the good bacteria come along and then they produce the short chain fatty acids. So what medical basically determined from this is, well I don't need to get the short chain fatty acids from the food source itself because that interaction takes place. 100% agree, 100% agree. In a perfect scenario, how can you 100% promise that that interaction takes place every single time. Now, what happens if I've got microbiome ratio issues? So I've got more opportunistic bacteria, okay? So I've got more negative gram bacteria, pathogenic forms of negative gram bacteria. Well, they come along, they feed on the indigestible matter because you understand prebiotics and so forth. They're not partial to what they feed. They go down there, they just feed whatever's down there. They don't go, oh, excuse me, I'm just here to feed the good stuff, yeah, okay? So they feed on the indigestible matter and guess what? They don't produce any short chain fatty acids. And they just release more bacterial byproducts. So you understand that scenario is different. Does, does that does that make sense what I'm saying? Okay. So in the instance, okay. Where does water come well, into it? Yes. Well, I'm just gonna use it because I'm using it as an example because everything is based on perfect scenario. The world is not a perfect scenario and many people have underlying complications. They do not interact with things well, okay. So producing hydrochloric acid, remember I already talked about it, it's like uh, you need a soup. What happens if you're missing some of the key ingredients for the soup? Yeah, okay? Now, the, the whole thing is when you're drinking fluids with your meals, you have to basically pump out more hydrochloric acid. Okay? That's like, so your body can do that. Does that make sense? I'm not going to dispute that. There's nothing wrong. Your body can pump out more hydrochloric acid to help to break down the the, the 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 protein and so forth. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. So I'm not disputing that. But what happens if you've already got a poor yeah. ability to produce hydrochloric acid? That's an issue. That's yeah? common. Yeah, it's really common, especially with people with energy issues. So energy system issues, highly stressed, like shallow breathers, okay, because remember I said one of the key ingredients you need is bicarbonate. Yeah. Okay, so if you're missing these ingredients and then you're eating too many omega-6s, well, that takes care of vitamin E. If you've got like uh, negative gram bacteria issues, yeast and candida issues, then that takes care of zinc, yeah, okay? So you don't really have a good ability to produce hydrochloric acid, okay? So if I'm putting more burden on my hydrochloric acid while I'm drinking water, okay? then because to produce hydrochloric acid is one of the most metabolically demanding processes in the human body why because it's so dependent on your energy systems It's dependent on your ability to get more oxygen into the mitochondria that's why it's so energy demanding does that make sense so if i'm drinking more fluids i'm basically putting more demand on that process so it can do it but there's more demand on it does that make sense okay so how can i alleviate some of that demand well, just don't drink fluids whilst I'm trying to break down my food. Does that make sense? It's all right, yeah, okay? You don't, you, you don't have to drink fluids with your, yeah, with your food. Does that make sense? So the way I can do it is have separation, yeah, okay? So, you know, at least like I always put on a timer, okay? Because, because if we're highly stressed and so forth, we are putting more demand on hydrochloric acid production. It's, that's just fact, Okay, We can't equate to perfect scenario, as in the body can do it. Yes, the body can do it, but we're highly stressed and we've got all these other problems, and it, that's making it harder. What's so your time and you put pre-post? Uh, generally 10 minutes either side. Okay, that's reasonable. Yeah, but yeah.
1: there's one thing that hasn't been mentioned yet, and that's pH. And this is applies to everybody. Yeah. pH of, of stomach acid when food is in the stomach and it's being broken down into, to, into chyme is about 2, right? Water is about 7. So we're already changing the acidity that's going to affect the ability to break down yeah. these macromolecules.
0: It's You want a more acidic environment in the stomach when you're trying to break down uh, protein, when you're right. trying to break... So but what's going to affect one, that? But also, yeah. But one thing that the pH is not the is not the is not probably the big thing because the body can pump out more hydrochloric acid, okay, to deal with that. So it can do that. It just
1: makes it a little bit harder though. It,
0: it just puts more burden on it. Right. Does that make sense? So what we're trying to do here, Alex, really is alleviate the burden. Right. Does that make sense? Because once again, in perfect scenario, it can do it. Okay, I'm glad if, you clarified. If that. the perfect scenario does not exist for the individual, yeah. Okay, because cool. they're a shallow breather, they're highly stressed, they consumed too much linoleic acid, whatever that might be. Then now it's going to overburden it, Got and on. I don't want to overburden it more by drinking truckloads of water while I'm trying to yep. consume more um, protein or whatever whatever the food I'm consuming. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Yep.
1: That covers it. Yep. That's perfect. And then the probably. The, One of the last things I wanted to cover was uh, I'm trying to get on like super practical things because I think, Dave, you get up into so many clouds of brilliant streams of thought and knowledge, but I think what sometimes people miss is that, okay, what can I actually do with this? And so I want to bring it into snacking and a lot of people snack in between meals, they're constantly grazing. And then you, when I heard you talk about the migrating motor complex one time and, and why you're more so against snacking can you explain that in that context
0: yeah so the migrating motor complex is basically the body's ability to sweep the duodenum or the small intestine clean yeah okay so that there's no like almost like debris or or you know food sitting there and fermenting and basically encouraging bacterial overgrowth yeah okay the MMC consists, without me getting into too much depth with all of them, yeah, okay. But the MMC uh, consists of three major players, yeah, okay. And so, one is basically um, the enteric nervous system, yeah, okay. And it's actually enteric hormones, okay. One of those key enteric hormones is motilin. It's produced within the in the stomach and the small intestine, yeah, okay. And 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 helps with um, gut motility, so it helps with intestinal churning, okay. So. One is we need the enteric, the, the enteric hormone, so we need something like a modelin to kickstart that process. Yeah, okay. And so what generally stimulates modelin is fasting. Okay, so I must be going through a period of fasting to stimulate the enteric hormone being modelin. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. So not eating. Yes. Yeah, okay. Strangely enough. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. So the other one is bicarbonate. The bicarbonate is released from the pancreas. Okay. And then you understand bicarbonate because it has the ability. It's it. Um, to act alkaline and acidic yeah, okay basically controls the ph balance and as bicarbonate shoots up into the stomach and it actually helps to um, regulate the ph balance in the in the stomach yeah? but also in the, the small intestine it basically um, uh, decreases the acidity of the food coming in from the stomach to the small intestine Yeah. okay so bicarbonate is also, also like a big player in that process and the other one is bile okay and so bile is released from the enterocytes yeah okay um you know uh, the big player being been the gallbladder yeah, okay and the biliary ducts okay and then we're also talking about not just bile but obviously cholesterol is required for bile okay that's a conversation for another time okay but we're talking about bile salts and bile salts when they're released into the small intestine they act, actually act as an anti- antimicrobial So they actually help to kill off any bacteria that may be proliferating, opportunistic bacteria that may be proliferating in the small intestine. Well, that would be things like CIFO, SIBO, yeah, okay. And then the bile actually helps with the emulsification of the fats. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So you need that those three ingredients to actually help with the MMC, yeah, okay. And so the whole thing with the MMC a lot of people might say that it, it kicks in about like two and a half hours, okay, and that's obviously of not eating, yeah, okay. Um, so you might have a big meal, and then it takes about two two and a half hours. There might be some research saying it's a little bit less than that, okay. But let's roughly transit say,
1: time is so different from individual, ex- individual. exactly,
0: and really depends what's going on with your motility yeah. and and your gastrointestinal lining, yeah, okay. So let's say it's you know close to that two and a half hour mark, yeah, okay. And so a good sign that the MMC is kicking in is like uh, groaning. Okay, and so a lot of people, you know, once again, we may have been socially conditioned to believe that groaning means that I just need to eat more food, yeah, okay? But as you're soon you're as... You're
1: talking about stomach, gut, groaning.
0: Yeah, but I'm not talking about like uh, gurgling, Yeah, okay? So when the stomach is gurgling... Which is it's, more like bubbling. Yeah, like that bubbling and like just sitting there. That's more of a sign of like fermentation issues within the gut lining, okay? Um, so once again, motility issues and so forth, yeah, okay? Um, SIBO. Um, so... The groaning, okay, most people are gonna perceive, oh, I need to eat, okay, and so as soon as you eat, okay, you're gonna override the MMC, because obviously you have to digest the food that you're just eating, like, the, it's not gonna go, oh, well, hang on, just, that that can't come down, okay? So you understand what you do is you negate the MMC, okay, so you stop fr- you, you stop the, the small intestine essentially getting cleaned and basically passing the debris and the indigestible matter into the colon, into the large intestine, where it is going to deal with that indigestible matter and essentially there it is food for the for for the microbiome like the 400 different species that are there and then obviously they feed on the indigestible matter and it helps with the short chain fatty acids once again okay so hence why like you know snacking you're going to break the mmc on a regular basis okay like that's what you're going to do so you're you're stopping the release of bile salts so that antimicrobial effect okay, you're having a negative effect on the ability to sweep the small intestine clean, okay, Um, and then that essentially can encourage, you know, fermentation issues, and it can encourage uh, bacterial overgrowth, so things like SIBO, so hence why I tend to go, and you know me, I tend to say to people, at least have about four hours, like have proper meals and don't snack, okay. This whole thing of snacking to regulate your blood glucose, I mean, like, you know,
1: we have hormones to help do that yeah
0: I mean and that actually can cause more blood sugar management dysregulation because yeah. you're, you're raising your blood glucose on a more frequent basis yeah. again you might actually find when you go to sleep okay because you've been having like these regular meals like six meals or whatever that might be more snacking and so forth that you your blood sugar levels might actually drop overnight and like you wake up and you're like you could eat eat your arm off okay some some people might have some orange juice or something like that to try and regulate their blood glucose it's not advisable to be doing in your sleep yeah okay so it actually causes more blood sugar management dysregulation yeah okay um where you know to like what i tend to do is go that four hour bracket that can help with also things like gluconeogenesis which is a metabolic process that we've evolved over time to help help during periods of starvation okay so you know if you don't as long that that means you won't go too long without actually having some um some food which means you're not calling on cortisol to try and regulate your raise your blood glucose levels for you okay which means basically it needs to take from your amino acid pool or your nitrogen pool and it's basically going to take you know glycogenic amino acids like glutamine and Alanine because they're gly- they're glycogenic, which means you can use them to raise your your blood glucose levels. But the problem is, I need things like glutamine for my epithelium, my mucosal cells. You need it for for the gastrointestinal lining. Yeah, okay. Um, it's a key substrate for the immune system as well. Yeah, okay. Um, and then you need the alanine for your ability to metabolize B vitamins. You need the alanine for the Krebs cycle, ATP. So you understand you're depleting key Amino acids that you need for all these other functions because you're using it to try and regulate your blood glucose levels because you're not doing it, mm. you know, Especially like people who are highly stressed, they go real long periods without eating and so forth. Yeah, okay. Which means you have to call more on gluconeogenesis. So if I hit, and that can happen roughly at about five hour mark, especially under stress. Okay, because you look at your, you know, when you train, your blood glucose levels take about one to two hours to drop after training. Okay, now. Um, when, when you're relaxed and you're doing more, you know, stress management things and like, you know, more things like meditation and uh, heart math and all these types of things, it takes about 16 hours for your blood glucose levels to drop, okay? Now, under stress, when I'm running around, I'm using my brain a lot, yeah, I'm working really hard, which one do you think... You know, that's going to be closer to the one to two hours, or it's going to be closer to the 16 hours. It's going to be closer to the one to two hours. So it's going to be in the realms of about five hours. Okay. So that's why I tend to go just under that five hour bracket. I go like four hours. Mm. Okay. I help with the MMC because that two and a half hour bracket, but I also help with the regulation of the blood glucose levels. And then around that, I will use fasting. Okay. Uh, that's a conversation for another time okay i will use the correct fasting for the right type of individual and generally for for most people i'm going to use fasting on their least stressful days so that's where we're going to use calorie deficit yeah okay and that's going to help with things like brain derived neurotrophic factor it's going to help with the mucosa so it would help with the lamina propria the gold all the things that i've already talked about okay so um it's just like we've got to break down a lot of this, like social conditioning and, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. limiting beliefs and things that we were told as a child, um, but really we weren't given a, you know, a, like a, a good reason to actually do it. Yeah, okay, um, and you know, as I said, like that—that's what I'm trying to do with people. I'm just trying to give them the 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 information, okay, um, that you know, like I never like to force people to do things yeah okay but what we've got to do is we've got to st- stop treating people like children okay um, because a lot of the time what we try to do is we try to uh, spoon feed them really basic information we, essentially that's what we do with children we, we you know we go oh they can't retain this information and they um it's too hard for them and i the one thing is like i use a lot of big words and so forth and um and people will go oh it's really really confusing and yeah okay i don't know what the hell he's talking about yeah, okay but i generally say like but there's not too many people who deal with me that don't walk away understanding how important it is to fix their gut yeah and that's all they need to walk away from that yep. experience feeling okay they don't i don't know they don't need to fill out a quiz about secretory iga at the end of the 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 the, the can you imagine the, everyone the had to a quiz okay? after every time they see you <laughs> they don't need to talk about every single yeah. you know enzyme yeah okay yeah but they the, the problem is because we dumb it down so much it doesn't really put enough importance yeah uh to the, to the individual of why they really need to do this. They don't need to understand the complex words. They don't need to understand the biochemistry. But if I've given them a lot of pretty huge reasons to why they need to fix this problem, they walk away because basically education is empowering. Yeah. Like No one can tell me that it's not. But if we keep on treating adults and keep on treating people like children... How do you think children act if you, tr- if you constantly treat them as children, like children? Okay, i refuse to treat people like, tr- like children. Okay, I will educate them. They're not going to understand everything I, 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 I talk about. I'm fine with that. But I need them to understand how important it is to take action and start to look after these things. They don't under, need to understand it like I do. My mind's a passion, yeah, okay. But they need to understand how important it is to take action, fix that problem, so that they can better um, live their passions.
1: That's a great place to bring this conversation to a close. Um, I think the last, the one thing that hasn't been talked about is, for those who don't know, like you've been in this industry for twenty years. You own, you co-own a Fifth Element Wellness. A holistic gym um, how's that how's that been going like for the you you got members and stuff who might be listening yeah. you got anything to update them on or you, anything you, you want to say on that
0: yeah look it's a uh, fifth element we've been going for six and a half years I mean obviously the ideology is sort of based on the whole aspect of there is not a monotherapy yeah. I mean I won't get into the weeds of all the different aspects there because pretty much i would say i've spoken about a a great majority of them yeah on this podcast yeah okay um but we you know we just don't believe in a monotherapy we need we believe that you need to look at stress management we need to you need to build strength okay because that's the seed yeah okay you need to look at mobility so to help with things like blood flow and circulation and synovial fluid and hyaluronic acid and all these types of things you need to improve detoxification that doesn't just mean you go away and do a cleanse probably the worst thing you can do yeah okay um and it doesn't just involve your liver yeah okay it also involves your gastrointestinal tract yeah okay and uh, nutrition and gut health okay these are the fundamental things like and you start addressing all these problems that's not a monotherapy that requires you to address many many different aspects of your of your life okay um and that's what fifth the fifth element ideology is really really based on okay um and when i'm dealing with people that's the approach i use and the and the people that i get the best results with are the people that are prepared to adopt the majority of the those different aspects Mm -hmm. so the more they adopt the better the results they get it's just that simple yeah okay and so yes it's it's um the one aspect i'd say has been tough you know and during this time because obviously fifth element has been closed okay there's been some good aspects for me because it's really really highlighted what really is the product of fifth element and the, and the product of fifth element the training is just a tool that's all it is okay it's not the product we we probably are classified as a gym but i never walk around fifth element and actually consider ourselves to be a gym.
1: What do you consider it as?
0: Where for me where we are more like a holistic i a lot of the time i used to say holistic gym, okay, but i would just say we're a wellness holistic center. Sure. Okay. The the big product of fifth element is the uniqueness of correlations of bloods so that you're not going to get anywhere else. Yeah. Okay. That's stuff that i have constructed like a lot of people go you know when they've come to seminars and they're like where, where can i learn this uh well right here they're my correlations okay like i've constructed i know it's fine people find that hard to believe because they go oh it's just a, a personal trainer he's just a strength and conditioning coach okay yeah i am okay but that doesn't mean i haven't gone away and just you like correlated bloods to stool and bloods to genetic testing and then I did that over a long, long period of time, and noticed all these correlations. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, it's it's the uniqueness in the, the the protocols behind healing the gut, which you're not going to get in a lot of. Like my approach is is very different. The the approaches of healing the gut have really been based on um, sort of kill, okay, which means just go in and kill whatever you know that and that might be in the realms of antibiotics. Just go in there and just bomb just Nuclear bomb, whatever's down there, okay. So that's just a kill approach, and then that's it, and then that just leaves all this damage, okay. It's like going in there and and dropping a nuclear bomb on a city, like antibodies. and then just doing nothing afterwards, right? Yeah, okay, I just go, I'll oh, just leave it, yeah, okay. All right, and so that's one approach, just kill, yeah, okay. Then maybe in more in the nontraopathy realms, yeah, okay, it's kill and then replenish, okay. And my approach, just so people can understand, is heal. Because you need to heal the gut lining first because that's why you've got the microbiome imbalances and that's why you've got the bacterial issues. Some would
1: think heal would come after you, kill.
0: No, but you need to create a platform where the bacteria can no longer flourish.
1: Got it. Please
0: continue. Okay, so basically heal, kill, heal.
1: Yep, makes okay? sense.
0: Okay, it's basically my my approach with the gut. Yeah, okay. So these are unique and they're they're very different approaches yeah, okay um and so during this period of time this is just really highlighted to me you know when it comes to the training that we do with people it's based on these factors it's based on these issues okay we just go okay this person's got this problem they need to do more body weight training more calisthenics and more gymnastics the problem that they have internally the bacterial issues the biochemical imbalances will determine what course of action we're going to take from a periodization and a programming perspective hmm. that's One, so uncommon exactly okay and so that's that is really what fifth element is about you know like we we're, we're not a gym most people would think we are a gym yeah okay um but that's probably what I would say to any of the any of our members that are listening, and you know, um, if they like, if they think we're a gym, okay, like that's it's not, it's not the desired goal of Fifth Element.
1: Do yeah. you? I'll be frank because uh, we're, we're another three weeks into this, right? Before Jim's, yep. oh, could be could, be, could be longer. Could be, yeah, yeah, most likely will be. Let's yeah. let's plan for the yeah. realistic worst. Yeah. So, I mean people are concerned i'm sure people who are attached to you in your gym whether mm. you guys will, will come out of it or if you restructure um is do you have more clarity on, on where you and matt are thinking about that
0: yeah i mean i think as i said it's highlighted um you know and i like i can speak more from my perspective yeah okay um it's really highlighted to me what fifth element is all about and what the what what the real product is okay and as i said that's the uniqueness in how we address um gut issues and health yeah and and actually that will determine the 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 fitness journey does that make sense okay and that's what this this whole thing because when this this whole thing erupted okay like i actually got busier yeah yeah okay that's just fact yeah okay i mean same so it's weird yeah so it, it just i think it held up the mirror to a lot of people and then they realize what's what's really important which is your health okay um you know in the fitness industry have we always been focusing on that okay well a lot of the time it can be focused on aesthetics and that doesn't always equate to health yeah yeah okay you know even you know the best performance when it comes to athletic realms that doesn't always equate to health as well yeah okay so um i think what what you're going to see is this huge shift and yes people want the body composition results and that but they want them both okay they want to feel good and look good they and they're going to want health first yeah. and the body composition comes with that which is the way it should work anyway okay and so that's I just think you're going to you're going to see a huge awakening in even more people that's happening before okay and you're going to see see it on even a bigger scale again I've got no doubt about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I would say, you know, anyone in the fitness realms, anyone in the health realms, okay, you weather the storm and post this. Okay. is going to be, um, I, th- I think it's going to be amazing.
1: Dave O'Brien. Yeah. Thank you, brother, so much for doing this. I think this is, guess. can you guess how long we've been doing this for?
0: I don't want to guess, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming three hours, maybe. Yeah. It's more than that. Okay. It's
1: probably the longest podcast I've <laughs> okay. probably ever done, and it's an it's a o- absolute honor for me. I feel very privileged, very privileged to sit um, in front of you and, and you to even be willing to do this. I have a lot of gratitude for you and what you've done for this industry. Um, I think you're a beacon of light for this industry and all the people you've influenced. Uh, and I think no matter what happens with Fifth Element, um, y- you guys will be able to hang on the positivity and all the lives that you have changed and will continue to change. So thank you for that.
0: Yeah, well, Alex, thank you for having me. Of um, and, you know, I, I appreciate uh, you getting the message out to, to more people and yeah. I appreciate you having... Uh, faith in the process yourself and being being through it. Um, people taking that leap of faith. Yeah, I've got more respect for people who take that leap of faith than than anyone.
1: Because yeah. not not many do in the end. No. Where can uh, people find you if they want to learn more? And uh, yeah,
0: contact? well, I finally got on Instagram in about November. Yeah, okay. Um, so it's da- it's at dave.o.brian dot O dot Yeah, okay. Um, it's a bit long-winded, yeah okay, but there's the Dave O'Brien's a pretty common name, yeah okay. Um so people can uh you know check me out on Instagram. Um and obviously we've got Fifth Element as well, yeah okay, and you can check out Dave O'Brien website www.daveobrien.com and then there's Fifth Element as well, yeah, okay. Um and that's dot yeah okay. Yes, I've got, you know, there's a book I'm bringing out this year. It's called Untapped. Yeah, okay. That's awesome. Um
1: awesome. What's the ETA on that?
0: The, it's it's getting, because I had to put a lot of these things on the back burner. Like I'm hopefully around like October. Yeah, okay. Well,
1: if you want some promotion, would love to have you back on yeah. later in the year, Yeah, man. great.
0: And then I've created a blood software, which I'm massively excited about. I'm not going to get into the weeds with that too much. Yeah, okay. But that's... Phenomenal, it bring out all the real problems that that people have to address and they'll actually help with uh types of training that you should be doing and all this type of stuff. And then there's the gut repairs, the nine week, fifteen week. I've actually created a vegan, uh, vegetarian ebook. Yeah, okay. This is out? It's just about to come out. Where yeah, okay. is coming out? Um literally this within uh, with I'm talking about like a week. Shit. Yeah, okay. And then I've created a ebook which is called Nutrition Foundations. And Nutrition Foundations is That's all awesome. based on the findings of blood markers.
1: That's out too? Uh, it about literally
0: to be? about be about three weeks, four weeks on that. That one. is awesome.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna plug you like if any of you have any serious or moderate gut issues, do what I did. Go see Dave O'Brien because there's really the reality is there's not many people out like you in this country let alone this state so if you're fed up with feeling shit and looking shit the guy sitting across me on this table can probably change your life so go see him
0: thanks alex no problem thanks for having me thank you dave much gratitude